and welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you are joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It is because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to give there as well. Again, we are so excited to get ready to hear a powerful message from God's Word. Blessings to you. Here's what Throat Punch is about. My mom put a funny comment on my face. I put this... I sh- I didn't think about that this doesn't make sense to some people, right? Throat punch. And so I, I, I put this as our cover photo, and my mom just put, what? Three question marks. And I was like, that's funny. We'll leave it hanging in the balance. But this is learning to fight back those internal things that we struggle with. They're not just feelings sometimes. They're deeper than that. And I really believe that if you'll come the next month, the next five weeks, that you'll walk away with some help. That the reality is, <clears throat> the reality is, and you know, when we planned this series, I wasn't even planning on starting this way, but in the last couple of weeks in the life of our church, we've had some really hard things that deal directly with even today's subject in the, in the things that we're going to look at, like shame. Because listen, no matter how full of yourself you are or how meek and mild you are. No matter what you deal with, we've all dealt with shame. We've all dealt with insecurities in our lives, and we've all dealt with stresses. Like, it doesn't matter if you, if you are, if you're a student or if you're retired. All of us have stressors in our lives. Some people have massive stress about how to pay bills. Some people have all these stresses, but we've all dealt with these things, and so we're just going to learn what Christ gave us, the keys, the abilities that Christ gave us to not just have to sit idly by, but how can we fight back? Because I'm going to make a statement right now. We're going to jump into the service. I hope we laugh during this service, but this is not the funny part. I'm tired of people feeling like there's no hope and the church sitting idly by silent as that happens. I'm tired of suicide being an option And we don't do anything about it because you can't talk about that feeling. But listen to me. You may have never, ever thought about taking your own life. But there is somebody or somebody's in this room that has. And listen to me. There is always hope in Jesus Christ. And what we want to be as a church is a church that you can look at us, that we can look at each other as we do life together and say, I feel this way. And not judge each other. Because because listen to me. We don't have it all together. Can we agree with that? If y'all don't agree with anything else I say, if you're not sure about this Jesus guy, we can definitely agree that we don't have it all together, that there are times that we feel like crap, that we want to throw our hands in the air, wave them like we just don't care, don't care if you're looking at us or not. We just want to scream and shout, but not for good things. We just want to, ah, help me, because life is hard. Like, I can have the joy of the Lord, and 10 minutes later, everything falls apart. And so how do we combat that? This is the throat punch. We are on the offensive. I'm about to get started on this message, preaching. Supposed to to start slow, but I forget that, (laughs) y'all. I'm just going to say it. I don't even care. There's a reason there's gates of hell. 
There's a reason that the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And it's because gates are defensive. We are on the offensive. I'm ready to kick some of them gates down. Or let me say it this way, throat punch some of the gates down. We are on the offensive. We are not scared. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us Christians. And I will not stand pat anymore. I'm not going to watch people dying left and right. And I mean both literally and figuratively dying. Their insides just hurting. And just be silent. And so I'm ready for the church to say so. Amen. Come on, somebody. We're going to do this thing. And if we're going to do it big, we're going to do it big then. So today we're talking about anxiety. And when you think about stress or anxiety, which is a very similar word, I don't know what y'all think about, but because some of y'all have immediate thoughts of why you're anxious today. But I brought these. I didn't bring my candle up because I couldn't put my candle in my pocket because it's too big. But have y'all seen these at, what's it, Bath and Body Works? Have y'all seen these? This is the anti-stress. It's literally called stress relief. Y'all seen it? This is the room spray. Let's see if it helps. Some of y'all are like, dumb. <laughs> I'm not getting involved in this laughter. It smells good to me. Eucalyptus and spearmint, but I still feel stressed if I was already stressed. This is the old one, but I still keep it in my travel bag. It's the, uh, it's the body lotion. It puts the lotion on the skin. And so I, we really do have the candle. I'm pretty sure Leah has bought me every single kind of stress relief possible, so maybe one of them will work, right? If you combine all of them, she thinks maybe some will work. And people are making millions of dollars, think about this, to try to relieve our stress through lotions and things and sprays and all this other stuff, hoping that we can find a solution to this stress and anxiety issue. It must be a problem. It must be a problem. And so the title of today's message is not stress or anxiety. It's going to be the theme throughout. But the title of today's message is, what are you looking for? So I want you to tap your neighbor on one side or the other. I want you to tap your neighbor and say, what are you looking for? Ask him, say, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I want you to look at the other one. Listen to me. The one that you didn't choose first and say, what are you looking at? Because I didn't ask you. I didn't ask you. You weren't my first choice. I ain't worried about what you're looking for. What you looking at? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Here's the truth about anxiety. <clears throat> truth about anxiety is most of the time, most of the time, not every time, but most of the time somehow it's locked into or tied to something that we're looking for, something that we're looking for. So when I think about what I'm looking for, oh, this is going to be bad for the husbands in the room. I didn't do this on Father's Day on purpose because I love y'all. But this is just the truth, and I know all the ladies, y'all better shout me down right now. This is what it's like in my house, okay? This is what it's like in my house. Walk into the bathroom. I need some soap. Y'all with me so far? I need some soap. Can't find the soap. So that's what I'm looking for. And immediately I decide that instead of searching diligently for a number of minutes, approximately 15 seconds into this, problem. I've looked long enough. Are y'all with me so far? <laughs> I know I'm talking to y'all. And I do what? What do I do at that point? Huh? Leah! Where's the soap? <clears throat> the response is normally, have you looked for it? I said, I've been looking for 15 seconds. She don't, 
She don't have to know to know. She already knows that I haven't really searched diligently. But I've been looking a little bit, right? This, this morning, excuse me, it was last night. Let me give myself proper credit. I did not do this to her this morning because I knew I was going to preach about it. But last night, I needed a washcloth. Because a man needs things that are so obvious that they will yell at them. Are y'all with me? Uh, I, I, it's screaming in my face. Sometimes I can still miss it if it's yelling at me. But if it's tucked in somewhere, I ain't going to find it, even though I'm looking for it. And so, so last night, she was literally standing beside me. I said, why can I never find stuff? Where's the washcloths? And she looked at me and said, Mark. She picks up one thing, and I was like, I knew they were there. I was saying if you knew they were there. And I don't, maybe, maybe, maybe you're the exception to the rule, my brother, that you don't do this to your wife or to your people in your life. But typically, the men, <laughs> if we're playing hide and go seek, we lose. You know what I mean? Like, it's, ba- it's bad news. But then there's other things in our lives that are not so, so passive and funny that we're looking for, right? Like, <clears throat> like I know it fluctuates for different people. Like, it's totally different. There's people in this room that you don't have social media. And you're like, that is dumb. Why would I ever get it? I don't want all them people to know all my business. Right? And I know there's some of y'all that are like that. And that's really smart. Let me just be honest with y'all. It's really smart. Because I think social media is really cool. And it's also a cesspool of gossip. Jesus' name. Just anger. People so mad at each other. I'm like, you don't know those people. They're fake. They're, they're, they're real people maybe, but you don't know them. But I've literally had people in the last few weeks tell me that I'll put a picture on Instagram or social media or whatever, and if it doesn't get a certain enough likes and hearts and whatever things you can give, I'll take it down within the first 30 minutes. And I'm like, what, you, what are you looking for? We're trying to find love through the cyberspace that the people aren't even real because you can't touch them and look at them. If you're not having a conversation face-to-face, and I'm not trying to be old in the room, but I'm going to be a little bit, so just deal with it. Like, if you, that's not really giving you true affirmation, but we're so searching for it, so trying to seek it that we'll put a, a post up, and if we don't get it, we, we get so upset we just want to take it down. Or, or for some of us, we look around and we think, the people that I graduated with 25 years ago or 10 years ago or, or three years ago are, are so much more successful than I am today. And I've got to find a way to make sure that they believe that I'm successful. And a lot of times our anxiety comes from the fact that we've built an expectation so high for ourselves and we don't meet what we expected to see happen in our lives. I don't know if y'all know this, but life is probably not going to go the way that you think it's going to go. And when it doesn't, typically an anxiety comes in. Also, like any form of change. I don't care if you're a person that likes to create change. I love it. Y'all need to pray for the staff because I love to change things. I love it. But even someone that likes change, when, when I'm creating the change, listen to me carefully, when I'm creating the change, I may be a little bit anxious about how people are going to react. But when you're creating the change and I'm affected by it, well, then I'm uncomfortable with that. And all of us find ways, all of us find ways to lose our minds and feel deeply anxious in areas. 
Here's the truth. Here's the truth. There are chemical anxieties. There are chemical depressions. But the vast majority of us that deal with anxieties are not dealing with these chemical things that you have to take medicine for 24-7 because you can't balance it on your own. I, I get that that's a reality, but what I'm talking about here is the fact that in our mindsets, we've stayed in this stuck position, hoping that we can keep doing the same thing and expect something different. But we are looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for things. We're looking for affirmation. We seek, 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 seek. And we go after it. And we spend our money on things like this to hope that they will relieve our stress. If I burn the right candle, spray the right spray, use the right lotion, use the right body lotion, use the right shampoo, use the right all the stuff. And, and then, and then it, it like... It creates this weird thing because here's the truth. If you just look around the room at very attractive people in the room, we spend lots of money making sure that this outside shell looks really good. You know some of the things I was thinking about? I was thinking about if your friend gets a vehicle and it's a nice vehicle, how you'll start feeling that feeling inside of I'm kind of embarrassed about the car that I drive. Now, maybe, maybe this isn't you, but I bet it is for a lot of people because you were cool with your car until somebody else got theirs. You were cool with your house until your friend got a better house. And it becomes this weird comparison game where all of a sudden I'm super anxious about everything in my life. And then here's the other big one that I know anxiety hits from that we're looking for is I'm looking to control all my outcomes. I don't want to trust anybody because I know that if I'm driving, if I'm behind the wheel, if I'm dealing with this thing, I can make it happen and we're all good. But Lord knows if I give you the keys, if I let you have any kind of control, and Lord knows I want Jesus to come in and fix it. <laughs> but I ain't trying to give him everything because that's weird. And so I have to admit something to y'all as we get into our passage I've never been stressed about your job. I've never sat up at night and thought, oh, dear Jesus, how am I going to do his job for him? This is the most stressful thing in the whole world. Are y'all with me what I'm saying? I've never sat up late at night and thought, how am I going to help those kids get through school? How am I going to make sure that those kids aren't crazy? I've never sat up at night and thought through these things about all of the things that you individually stress about. And watch this, most likely you've not done that for me either. And we tend to put ourselves in a box that thinks this, that thinks this. I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one facing these issues. And I believe it's one of Satan's greatest tools that causes isolation because you believe that in your job, that in your financial crunch, that in your relationship issues, in all of your issues, you believe you're the only one going through that and no one else would ever understand. And he loves it. I believe the enemy loves it. And you know, it's so interesting to me to study Jesus, and we just went through a series a couple, or just about a month ago on the, that was dealt, dealing with, excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount. And that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus and so you've got Jesus sitting on this, this beautiful hill right beside the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching all these people these principles of the kingdom, how he intends for us to walk with him. But it's just kind of weird sometimes when you read them because it makes sense, but it's just hard to do. We agree with it, but it's hard to live it. 
And some of the things that he said in Matthew 6, which is literally my life verse is found in the passage I'm going to preach today, but some of the things he says here is crazy. But it's so cool that an eyewitness, his disciple, the one that came with him that was hated because he was a tax collector, and then his name, his name was Levi, and then they called him Matthew, the one that walked with him, he's the one that gave us this account. And so this whole thing's about what we're looking for. This whole passage is about what we're looking for. This whole conversation is about that. But it's even deeper because Jesus is dealing with our anxiety. And so he starts with something really interesting that ties this together. In verse 24 of Matthew 6, he says, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. He says, You can't serve God in money or possessions. The word mammon literally means possessions, things. You can't serve God and money. Now, this message is not a money message. But I think it's on purpose that this is the verse right before he goes into anxiety. Because chances are, if you're feeling anxious about your marriage, somehow it's probably tied into some money issues. In my experience, when I've dealt with marriage issues or in our own lives, when we're super stressed about how are we going to pay that bill or how are we going to do stuff, there's something going on. And here's what I want to ask people, but normally I don't to be sincere one-on-one, -on -one, but I can in this room because it's not about you. And if it deals with you, then let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Come on, somebody. Most of the time, I just want to ask people that are dealing with big financial issues. Are you asking God? That was cool. But hopefully I can get it back. Jeez, there you go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He wanted devoted to be big. Did y'all see that? Most of the time, I want to ask people, is this the issue? Like, is it really a money problem or is it a devotion problem? Is it really a money problem or are you so devoted to the things that you're trying to get that you're overwhelmed because you've outbid, outdone, outbought things? Like, does credit card debt really take place because we need to pay our bills or does credit card debt take place because I want things so bad that I just decide I need them today, I'm not willing to work for them and wait? It's quiet in here. Do I get myself in financial straits? And listen, I'm not talking about when you lose your job. I'm talking about our lifestyles. That, that, that we get to the point that we're so desperate that we're crying out. But do we get ourselves in those positions because we're diligently devoted to the Lord? And I would argue most of the time that's probably not the case. I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but listen to me. We're not talking about the exception to the rule. We're talking about what the issues are. And when I'm feeling this issue of I can't do anything about it, I'm ready to throw my hands up, it's interesting to me that Jesus starts with it's probably dealing with some kind of thing. It's probably dealing with the outside body that I'm, that I'm, that I'm called to live in, this tent, this temporary place. Billions of dollars are spent every year to try to get us to buy things. Millions of self-help books have been written. And he says, you know what? You can simplify it to this. Define your devotion. Define your devotion. Watch this. Whatever has your devotion has your emotion. And whatever has your emotion defines you. Listen, your, your direction of your life is defined by whatever you are tied to. Because your emotion is your heart. That is the thing that you value most. Watch this. I, I could even change this wording and say, this is what you're worshiping more than anything else. And a lot of us would say we worship Jesus above all. 
until I take your money from you, your possessions from you, because if I could take something from you and it would cause you to lose your mind, that's what you're devoted to. Anything that I could take from you and you would, and you would absolutely flip out and say, I can't make it if you take. That's your devotion. And we can define it. Like we could stop right there, underline it, and say, we've just found our issues. The problem is we don't want that to be the issue. We want anxiety to be our issue. And so we worry and we fix our minds on the things that we want to control but we can't control, and it, and it kills us. And I just believe it's important that Jesus said you can't serve both. Watch this. Money is not bad. We're going to need a little bit of it down the street, come on, somebody, to build that building. It is a good thing. When it's in God's people's hands, I believe that we are the head and not the tail. I believe we are blessed. I believe God wants to bless you because you're a blessing because you're in Christ Jesus. I do not believe it's bad at all to prosper because he plans to prosper and not harm you. I just believe it's bad to want to prosper over to want the one who prospers you. I believe that's where the issue comes. And whenever my devotion is, how can I get God to give me things and not how can I diligently seek God? Well, I found my problem. Every one of us that are dealing with stresses that keep us up at night and cause us to be overwhelmed, we can blame it on anything we want to, including the rain. Come on, somebody blame it on the rain. But if, it's, if that's not the problem, if you're not old enough, you might not get it. Blame it on the rain. But Tony knows what I'm talking about. We can blame it on whatever we want, but watch this. 99% of the time, what we are stressing about or what we're dealing with ain't the issue. It's what we're devoted to. And so what we hope is the one we're not devoted to can swoop in and fix our problem, and then we get to go back and do our thing. But this is what Jesus said. He said, so I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. He said, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll put on. Is life not more than your food and the body more than clothing? Like at the end of the day, is it not more about what we eat and drink and what we do, about our jobs, about how much we get, about how much we can attain, about what our 401k, is life not more than that? And so the one thing I want to teach y'all in the Bible that this means, and I know some of y'all have heard me teach this before, but I, I feel like anytime we talk about this subject, we've got to hit on this. This word anxious, I believe, is a great tool of our enemy. Now, I hate it. It's not great good, but it is a powerful weapon against us. This is what the word literally means, to separate from whole. It means severed from whole. Anxiety is taking the reasoning side of your brain and the emotional side of your brain and separating the two. As a matter of fact, an anxiety attack that many of you in this room have felt, people say that it feels like a heart attack, that it's overwhelming. Some of y'all probably have been to the hospital over an anxiety attack. This is what an anxiety attack literally is, scientific. It's when your mind knows what's taking place, but your emotions feel something totally different. And so you're emotionally, you feel this thing come over you like, like you're being cut off, like you can't breathe, like you don't know what to do. A lot of times it's from a traumatic event. And the reasoning side of you knows what's taking place, but the emotional side of you says, I don't know what to do. And listen to me, that is scary. I have close friends that have had anxiety attacks. My mother has had anxiety attacks. People that I love deeply have had anxiety attacks, and I am not making light of this. But what it is, is I believe it's the enemy's weapon. I'm not saying you're living for the devil. I'm saying that he's using this in our lives. And many of us have felt this after a traumatic event. 
And he's saying, listen, if it's about what you eat or drink or wear, because a lot of times it must be if Jesus is talking about it. He said, I'm telling you not to worry about these things. I'm telling you, you got other things to worry about. We got 99 problems. These shouldn't be one, right? This, this shouldn't be the issues. And then Jesus has this interesting conversation that I'm going to yell a little bit about. Watch this. He said, look at the birds of the air. We're talking about my anxiety. I feel like I'm dying. The world's coming down, crashing, burning, and you're talking about birds. <laughs> they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. So let your heavenly Father feeds them. And watch, this is so important because I believe if you'll answer this question honestly, maybe we can get to the root of the problem. Are you not more valuable than they? You know, I really believe some of you would answer, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm worthy. But if you don't listen to anything else that I say today, will you listen to this? You're worthy because he calls you worthy. You're worthy because he clothed you in his glory and honor. You're worthy because you don't have to worry about your clothes because he's already made you in his likeness and in his image. When you were, before you were born, before the foundations of the world, he knew you and he found you worthy. And so watch, most of us are looking for worth when you've already been called worthy. And we find a root problem of the issue because we so desire for people to find us as, as, as relevant and good. And so we look for likes and we look for love and we look for all of these different things. When your heavenly father has called you worthy, beautiful, amazingly created in his image, and when you try to earn that, you spin yourself into a cycle of death. And it's killing you. And he said, listen, I'm telling you that I've arrayed these beautiful birds in this way. Don't you believe your heavenly father loves you more than them? And he said, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to your life? I thought about this as I was preparing. And I just want you to chew on this for one second. Maybe more than one second. I want you to chew on this for a couple seconds. Think about this. What was the last time you were truly anxious about something? that you can look back on from years ago and it helped at all? I mean, that you just sat and toiled and, and, and fought and, and stayed up till 3 a.m., not being able to sleep and pulling your hair out, wondering where to turn, wondering what to do, didn't know what to do, overwhelmed with the situation. And at the end of the day, here's the, here's the truth. Bad may have come. A lot of times, if you study it, a lot of times it never does take place. Over 90% of the time, what we're anxious about never takes place. But even if it does, what good did worrying do? He said, we can't add a single hour to our life, so why are you anxious about what you're wearing? And then he says something really crazy. Consider the lilies. So we went from birds to flowers. <laughs> Y'all ever read the Bible and go, hey man, Jesus, for real. I believe what you say, but you get crazy sometimes talking about lilies, and I'm trying to pay my billies. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. You're welcome. All right. He said, consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And think about it, y'all. Think about this. Please think about this. They aren't trying to make sure they're going to grow. They're not trying to make sure they're going to bloom. They're, gonna, they're not trying to make sure they're going to blossom. And God created us so complex that, that we do have the capability to worry, but we also have the capability to not. Amen. 
And most of us spend so much of our energy because you, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how smart you are, I'm talking to the smartest person in the room, talking to the most beautiful person in this room, you only have so much energy. And most of us spend a lot of our energy going, how will I look good, sound good, act good? And he said even Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed like these. But God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow it's gone and thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? And I just think it's so important for us to look and go. You know what I think the problem in Christianity is? We're willing to be honest about that we need Jesus. A lot of us in this room have, have gone through that but we're just not willing to be honest about the state that we're currently in. About how we've toiled this week, better yet for the last years, not walking in freedom even though we have the license to do so in Christ Jesus. And we spend so much time knowing that the birds don't have to worry, but worrying ourselves. Knowing that the flowers are just clothed because our God is such an amazing creator, but worrying that we can't do it ourselves. And he said, so I tell you, don't be anxious. Don't let your mind be separated from the whole. Don't let your devotion wander off hoping that God can come in and swoop in and fix you. Asking what shall I eat or drink or wear and focusing all of our energy on that and then hoping that we can get a little Jesus pixie dust and he'll get us out of jail free. That's not his plan for your life. He plans to prosper you, not harm you. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, and I believe this is one of the ways he does it. But he came to give us life and life more abundantly. He said, even the Gentiles, they're seeking these things. The people that are far from God are seeking these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Here's my life verses. Seek first. Everybody say seek. What are you looking for? He said, if you'll just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... Because he made you to be his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that you could be his righteousness, the righteousness of God. He said, if you'll just seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these, what's this word? Say it. All these things will be added unto you. Every single thing, every single thing, every single thing that we focused and fixed our energy on. Are those people going to come against me? Are they going to hate me? Are they going to come back? How will I fix this? How will I fix what they think about me? How am I going to meet this deadline? He said, all these things will be added unto you. He's not calling you to be passive and sit on the sideline. He's calling you to rest and walk in him. And most of us would say, I believe Jesus but what we hope is we can seek things and get Jesus to help us instead of seek Jesus and know the things are promised. Because I doubt people in this room have deeply been anxious or stressed out about Jesus, about seeking him first, about putting him at the center of your life. Most of the time, it's about the fact that we don't control our outcomes, that we're not in control of this thing, that we're trying to control it and trying to manipulate and trying to create outcomes and it's not working. And we look past and we say, this ain't looking good, Pastor Mark. I've got 30 days and things aren't going well. This ain't looking good. But if you keep going down the same road trying to fix it yourself and hoping a prayer and a miracle will work, it's not going to work because you haven't sought Jesus first. And I think there's a reason for that. He said, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
He said, each day's got its own trouble. So if you worried about tomorrow already, just, just, just focus on today. Does anybody believe what Jesus said right here? That if we just worry about today and not worry about our neighbor and not worry about everybody else, they need to clean their house up. Their house is a mess. We already addressed that mess. Come on, somebody. That was the last series. If we just worry about what Jesus put on our heart to accomplish and not worry about all the things, if we just focus our attention on him, everything would change. But the problem is we have to answer the question, what are we looking for? What are we looking for? What are we looking for? You know what comes to my mind? A couple things. First of all, I want y'all to write down if you're taking notes, Philippians chapter 4, 6, 7, 8. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Someone say everything. In prayer and supplication, present your request to God. And it says that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. There is a reason that the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, because out of it is the life spring. It flows, life flows from my heart. And the issue is the enemy does not care how much you know, does not care if you can teach Sunday school or a small group or you're real smart or how great you look, how much. If you've memorized the entire Bible but you're not walking in freedom, he's cool with you. He's worried about the people that say, I'm not worried. He's worried about the people that say, this doesn't look like what I want it to look like, but I'm seeking him, not the thing. He's worried about those people because he knows that what no eye has seen or ears heard or heart of a man has imagined that that's what God has prepared for those who love us, or love him, I mean. That's what God has prepared for those who love him. But the problem is, that's not why we're anxious, is it? So a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we've been having a lot of trouble with Laney, sleeping at night, a lot of trouble. We've tried melatonin. We've gone to the doctor going back and forth, back and forth. And, and my question, honest to God, y'all, this is really raw, but my question was, like, what's she looking for? How is she so stressed that she just turned 10 years old? How is that possible? Because I feel like our home's pretty safe and we laugh and we have fun. And how can this be? Like, this seems so silly that Lainey, my 10-year-old, in a safe home, in a, in a loving home, I really think my daughter has defined every single person in this room and this, and this thing. It's crazy, y'all. So a couple weeks ago, we've got a rule that if Lainey can't sleep at night and she starts crying, that she just comes in the room and we can hear her in her bedroom crying. And I get super frustrated. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have asked her to come in our room. All right? And so Leah and I got up and I just looked and said, baby girl, what did I tell you to do? And she said, come in your room. I said, yes, baby, will you please come? She comes in the room, and I said, what is the deal? Like, it's midnight, and you've got to be tired, and you've got play practice, and you've got this thing, and you've got this thing, and go to sleep. Because right, that helps. I don't know if y'all know that. Like, go to sleep, baby. She kept doing this, y'all. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't know. Like, that's not good enough. I want I, you... Nine-year-old, ten-year-old, you got to figure this out on your on your own. Be an adult, right? What's the problem? We asked her tons of questions trying to get to the answer, and then all of a sudden, Leah looked at her and said, "Can you tell me 
what you meant by what you said earlier just a few minutes ago. Lainey put her head down. And Lainey had asked Mommy when Mommy was putting her to bed that night. I was putting Hazel to bed. Lainey was putting Leah to bed. Or Leah was putting Lainey to bed. Whichever. She said, Mommy, can you love me the most? Leah said, baby, why would you ask that? I, I just really need you. I just really love it if you love me the most. And Leah gave her a great explanation about how we love our children and put her to bed. And I'm telling y'all, in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Laying in bed, and I had tears in my eyes because I realized this one thing. Daddy loves Hasten more than me. I mean, she never said it, but she didn't have to, right? And I realized that's what she was looking for. Not to do well at her play that we thought it was. Not to get the little girls at dance class to like her like I thought it was. Like I thought it was all these things, right? And I, and I realized in that moment that all she was saying is, I just really want my daddy to love me like he loves him. So I looked at her and said, Lainey, are you asking this because you think daddy loves Haston more than you? And she said, she put her head down. I mean, you know. And, she, and then she did something that broke my heart because she started making excuses for me. Well, I know he's autistic. And, I know, and I'm thinking to myself, this 10-year-old baby girl is having to make excuses for her daddy because her daddy's expressed love to her different than he's expressed it to you. And we all just sat there and cried in my bed. And I just apologized to my daughter in that moment. Not that I love Haston more, but that I've expressed it. She said, Daddy, when you pick Haston up, he touches the ceiling, but when you pick me up, that doesn't happen. You wrestle with Haston, but, you, but you're so careful with me. And I just, I want to experience that. I want to experience, that's what I'm looking for. But I'm 10 and I don't know how to express it to you. She didn't say that. I'm, I'm telling you that's what she was saying. And in that moment, I had this realization. Watch this. Listen to me carefully. That's every single one of us. There's not one of you in this room. I don't care if you believe God or if you think this God thing's crazy. All of us in our core, down in the depths of our souls, are asking this question. Does he really love me? Does he look at me with, with, this, with this love that is crazy? Or is that why he gave him more stuff than he gave me? Is that why she's more talented than I am? Is that why they have more things than I do? And so as a result, we go look for the things that we feel like our Heavenly Father gave them. Hoping that if I can just do this better, like Lainey, if I can just be the lead in my school play, maybe my daddy will be as proud of me as, as he is Haston. And that was never the issue. But it doesn't matter that it's not the issue. It matters what we believe and what we feel in our hearts. And at the depths of our soul, we believe somehow, someway, our Heavenly Father must love them more than He loves me. And I just came to tell you this today. That I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know where you're trying to find love. I don't know. I cannot define it for every person in this room. But I do know this. That what you've been looking for was looking for you.
that the whole time you were trying to find it, he was looking for you. I sat in my bed, y'all, and I just thought, I've given Laney the wrong picture of our Heavenly Father. Can I define something for y'all? I believe Christianity, the problem with Christianity in the world is we believe that we serve an angry God at you. God does not like sin. It breaks his heart because he can't fellowship with you in sin. But he is not angry with you. Our God loves you. And the reason that he is proud of you is because he made you in his image. And I can prove that he was looking for you before you were looking for him. Because God demonstrated and shows his great love for us that while I was that sinner that, listen, many of you have heard, shame on you, you are bad, you can't be this. But while you were a sinner, he died. He sent his own son. He sent Jesus to die for us. What you've been looking for your entire life and falling back into stresses and thinking, if I just buy more of this, get more of this, but it's there. It's not what you have, it's whose you are. Your devotion defines you. It, 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 it literally will show you the course of your life. If you show me what you're devoted to, where your money's going, where your time's going, where your energy's going, I will show you where you're going in your life. But most of us here tithe and we think the pastor wants my money. I do not want your money. God wants your heart and he knows it follows it. Listen to me. Your God loves you so much and what he wants for you is for you to say, I can't fix it. I don't know what to do, but I'll give him my whole heart because he was looking for me first. So every day the rest of my life, I'm gonna tell y'all my goal. Not to do this well. I'm gonna do it the best of my ability, but my goal is to look for him like he looked for me first, to walk with him every single day. And I believe some of you for the very first time need to say, I realized that God was looking for me before I was looking for him. I'm so tired of the stress. I'm so tired of the anxiety. I'm ready to give myself to him. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I feel like there's some ladies in this room that are throwing their hands up, trying to get attention, going, if I could just get his attention, if I could just get his attention and ask him, why does he love them more than me? And God's looking at you saying, oh, son, oh, daughter, I love you so much. I made you just the way you are. And all I require from you is to acknowledge who I am and that I loved you first and that you love me back. He forgives you when you ask him. He cleanses you when you call on him. Somebody needs to believe today. So if that's you, if for the first time you need to define the fact that your emotion has been everywhere else, but you're ready to give your life away because he looked for you first and you're tired of running, I just want you to throw your hand up. Come on. I feel the Lord's presence in this place. Thank you. Who else? Just, just throw your hand up and say, I'm ready. Thank you. Thank you. I'm ready. I'm ready to say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm ready to run to you. I am so tired. I'm so tired of chasing everything else. Lord, you're chasing me, and I choose you. I choose to love you back in Jesus' name. I choose to love you back in Jesus' name. Anybody else? I saw three hands go up. I just want you to know the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you're saved. I do not believe you have to be magical. 
but I want you to fill the card out that we put in your hand and return it to our prayer team at the back or our next steps table so we can help you walk in your first steps with Jesus. Can we celebrate together, church, that three people just said yes to Jesus? Thank you, Lord. In just a minute, we're going to let you get changed for baptism right now. But here's what I want to tell y'all. Some of y'all have been super anxious your whole life about baptism. Hey, listen to me. This is all this is. What baptism is is a sign that I was dead in my sin, but I'm buried in Christ and now I'm alive. All I'm saying right here is he sought me first. And because I realized he sought me, I want the whole world to know that I'm his. I believe some people in this room need to say, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not going to worry about what the person beside me thinks. I'm going to walk in freedom. So I want the people that are getting baptized to stand up and start walking to the back when we start worshiping. And I want you guys, maybe you just followed Jesus. I don't think you need three years to do it. I want some of y'all to get baptized right now. Just get up. We got clothes for you. We will make this happen. We'll extend the service as long as we need to. But you get up right now. Don't you let anything hold you back. Right now, we're going to do baptism at the end of this song. Y'all get up right now. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for loving us first. And we celebrate this picture of that we were dead in our sins, but you chose us. You looked for us first. We love you back, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all stand with us. Thank you.